Jesus took his disciples to the mountain and preached these truths. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the merciful. Be glad and rejoice, for your reward is great in heaven. Then Simon Peter said, Do we have to write this down? James said, Is this going to be on the test? Philip said, The other disciples didn't have to learn all this. John said, What does this have to do with real life? And Matthew said, Can I go to the bathroom? And Jesus wept. And for anyone who has served as a teacher or is a teacher, this may sound very familiar. Good morning. My name is Jeff Porter, and I'm a member of Life Church. I've been coming to this church for many years. I also serve in the AV booth on certain Sundays. I've been an educator for 25 years as a teacher, as a principal, and currently as superintendent of the Cumberland North Yarmouth School System. As part of the Life Can Be Better series, Pastor Brian asked me um, to help honor teachers today. This is part of making life better for the children in our care. If you're a teacher, could you please stand at this time to be recognized? Thank you. Thank you. And we know teachers make huge salaries, so we decided to uh, give you a small gift of our appreciation. And if you go outside the doors and go to the left at the end of service, um, for all of our teachers in the room, we have a small gift for you. I freely admit that without Christ, I would not be able to do what I do each and every day. And I know that that is the case for many of our teachers. Teachers do matter. They matter a whole lot. Teachers inspire students to find meaning, to find their destiny, to find possibilities, to awaken. But teachers' jobs have become more complicated than ever before. They're now preparing students for a rapidly, rapidly changing world. Reminds me of the old Chinese proverb that if you're planning for a year, sow rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. But if you're planning for a lifetime, educate children. It also reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew 9. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Teachers labor and toil in the harvest each and every day. They quietly do God's work on this earth. They are faithful public servants whose work is in the image of Christ. And their labor in so many ways illustrates how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. This is a short uh, story by John Slatter, and it's called, I Am a Teacher. I have been many people in many places. Throughout the course of a day, I have been called upon to be an actor, a friend, a doctor, a coach, a psychologist, substitute parent, salesman, politician, and most importantly, keeper of the faith. I am the most fortunate of all who labor. 
A doctor is allowed to usher life into the world in one magic moment. I am allowed to see that life reborn each and every day with new questions, ideas, and friendships. An architect knows that if he builds with care, what he builds will last for centuries. A teacher knows that if he builds with love and with truth, what he builds will stand the test of time forever. I am a warrior, daily doing battle against peer pressure, negativity, fear, conformity, prejudice, ignorance, and apathy. But I have great allies, intelligence, curiosity, parental support, creativity, faith, laughter, and love. For I am a teacher. If you could please join me in praying for our teachers in the room. Dear Father, we come to you today and give thanks for all of our teachers. Thank you for the way in which they give of themselves each and every day in the classroom, serving and instructing the next generation of this great nation. Father, please fill their hearts with courage through your mighty spirit. Fill them with your strength so they may rise to every challenge and not grow weary. Father, fill them with your wisdom so that they may be able to use good judgment when guiding and helping others. Fill them with your peace so that when stress and anxiety come their way, it will not overwhelm them. And fill them with your joy so that the passion they have for learning will be deeply instilled in their students. We ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to start the message with a, a story. If you read your email this week, I've sent a, a good portion of this story in the email. But it's just an amazing story about forgiveness. In 1987, an IRA bomb went off in a town west of Belfast, Ireland. Gordon Wilson, buried in the rubble with his 20-year-old daughter, retells his experience. He said, we were both thrown forward, rubbles and stones in and around and over us. He said, I was aware of pain in my right shoulder. And I shouted to Marie, my daughter, was she all right? She said, yes. She found my hand through the rubble and said, is that your hand, dad? Three or four times I asked her. She always said, yes, she was all right. When I asked her the fifth time, was she all right? She said, daddy, I love you very much. And those were the last words she ever spoke to me. I miss my daughter, and we shall miss her, but I bear no ill, I bear no grudge. She was a great wee lassie, his Irish coming out there. She loved her profession, she was a a pet, and now she's gone. She's in heaven, but I know I'm going to meet her again. Don't ask me for the purpose, I, I don't know, I don't have an answer, but I know there's a plan. If I didn't think that, I would end my own life. It's part of a greater plan, and God is good, and we're going to be together again. I've lost my daughter, and we're going to miss her, but angry, dirty sort of talk is not going to bring her back to life. I shall pray every night that God will forgive them. Once recovered, Wilson crusaded for reconciliation. He met with the IRA, the people who did the bombing, personally. He personally forgave them, and he asked them to lay down their arms. He said, you've lost loved ones just like me, He told them, surely enough blood has been spilled. Now, there's so many details to this story that are amazing, but to me, as I read it, 
and I'm skipping a lot of details, but what, as I read it, I think the most amazing thing to me was how much the entire nation was hungry to hear what Gordon Wilson had to say. Uh, whether they were Christian or not, people were, it's like they were hungry for this forgiveness. He uh, was invited back onto TV talk shows, popular TV talk shows, again and again for some years to come. He ultimately was elected to a a high government position called the Shannad. It's Ireland's official advisor to their Senate. It's like the whole nation was wanting this forgiveness. I mean, why would the government want him in this role? Isn't forgiveness a religious topic? Isn't it something you expect to hear about only in church? Well, Gordon Wilson proved that whether or not you have faith in God, you're hungry for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a reality for all of us, again, not just coming from God, but between human beings. If we're going to keep the doors open and have real love, forgiveness is just going to have to be a part of that. I learned, I learned just how non-religious forgiveness was this past week. Somebody recommended a TV show, and I watched it, and I was shocked how often forgiveness got talked about, just in human relationships. And when they weren't preaching it, uh, the villains were showing just what happens and how distorted you get. When you don't learn how to let go, when you don't forgive, forgiveness is a huge part of maintaining a whole heart and just enjoying life, which is why I've asked you to pray this prayer. Would you pull it in your bulletin? You've got these cards. On the front of it is the Life Can Be Better logo, and on the back is this prayer. I'm asking you through this series for 40 days to pray this prayer. Uh, There's very few prayers recorded in the Bible, but this one is it's praying for God to reveal his love to us. And I know you're probably going to lose this card. So if you go and, and download our church app, uh, if you could go to this next slide here, uh, the church app has, if you just go to your Play Store, if you could go, go to the next slide here, and the, the, the app is Life Church Main. So just go to your Play Store and download the Life Church Main because if you'll just download, you may lose this card, but then just tap that button and this scripture is going to come up. This is right in your Bibles. And I'm asking you to pray it every single day, right? So let's turn it over and read the prayer. Um, now, Paul was praying this. He prayed it for, for them. So I just put blanks in here. And if you're praying for yourself, put your name in there. Or just say for, for me. But Paul said, I kneel before the Father. Now, you don't have to always kneel for prayer, but he particularly says he kneeled before this, for this one. So I'm going to kneel. You can just stay seated. But Paul said this, I kneel before, before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his, God, out of his glorious riches, that he would strengthen me with power through his spirit in my inner being, so that Christ might dwell in my heart through faith. Now here's the first of the three where we're asking to be filled with God's love. I pray that I, being rooted and established in love, he wants our roots going down into his love, just sucking his love right into our souls. Being rooted and established in love, here's the second one, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp, that means to understand, how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And here's the third one, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. It goes beyond our brain. You're not going to know it mentally. It has to be spiritually revealed to your heart, that I might be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you notice that last phrase, probably the biggest promise in all the Bible that God is able to do exceeding abundantly, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. 
And we all want that. We all want God fixing things in our life and our business and the people around us. But notice what he says. God's able to do those great things in our external life when it's according to his power at work within us. It has to work. I can testify in my own life as I've seen more of God's love working in me. I've watched as that love in me and through me, things are different on the outside. God has come through in a hundred different ways externally, but it starts in here. We want God to start out here, fix everything out here, and then I'll find your joy in here. It never works that way. It always works from the inside out. And that's when God's able to do those amazing things. Well, in this Life Can Be Better series, it's all about the love of God. And if we're going to be truly, truly happy, productive, full of joy, we're going to have to experience the amazing grace. And it's forgiveness is something, it's not normal. It's, put it this way, it's not natural or human to keep forgiving. Let's notice what Jesus said about forgiveness Jesus said, if a person wrongs you seven times in a day, now hopefully you can remember, well, I don't say hopefully, but if you can remember the last time somebody really wronged you, I mean, just once. I mean, Jesus isn't talking about some minor irritation. I mean, they wrong you, right? They've, they've slapped you in some form or fashion, and it's happened to every one of us. Gang, usually if somebody does that once in your lifetime, you kind of write them off. Jesus says seven times in a day. I mean, you've been harmed. What happens when you're harmed like that? Well, what's human is just kind of to write them off. I call it pegging them. We peg them. We say, oh, I know them. We put them in a category and we say, okay, I know them. I know who they are. If you let your guard down around them, you're going to get hurt. So I'll just put my walls up and push them on the outside. Well, Jesus said not only once, but seven times in a day. And then to make matters worse, they say, I'm sorry. They're like, I'm sorry. What do you say when somebody does something more than once and they say you're sorry? Haven't we all said this? Well, if you're sorry, you wouldn't do it again, right? Has anybody ever said that before? We've all said that. Jesus said seven times in a day, they come, even though you know, they come back, say they're sorry, what does he say? You, will you repeat those last words with me? Say this, you must forgive. Wow. The disciples correctly interpreted Jesus. They realized he was asking them what was humanly impossible, for them to keep stretching when it was hard. And they asked the logical next question. They, asked, they said, the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, show us how to increase our faith. They, they, they understood Jesus. Lord, if, if I'm actually going to do this, keep on giving to the people who are, you know, to, who are unworthy. Lord, I'm going to need something supernatural. So they correctly understood Jesus. And Jesus gives this amazing response. They're asking him for more faith. And I've heard many sermons. The next verse is verse 6. And before I put it up there, let me say, I've heard probably 100 sermons on the next verse, but it's always taken out of its context and just preached standing alone. And standing alone, it kind of makes it sound like if you have enough faith, Jesus is giving us a prescription to have all your problems gone in a flash. When actually taking things out of context is dangerous, not only is that not exactly what Jesus was saying, he's saying the antithesis. See here, Jesus is inviting us into the love of God, the kind of love God has. What kind of love does God have? We've all spit in God's face. How many know that we're here today? If you're here out of faith, I promise you this, you're not here because your pursuit of God is so amazing. Your prayer life is so perfect. You've, done every, you've climbed that ladder. Your, your faith is so strong that you're here because of your amazing faith and how you pursue God. No. If you're honest and you're here out of real faith, you know this. You're here because God keeps pursuing you. 
And when you get down, his love never stops. That song we sang is so perfect. His love never ends. It never stops. It keeps on coming. Jesus was inviting us into that kind of love. He's inviting us into what I call the bowels of love. The bowels are where the dirty work is done. And Jesus is inviting us into that kind of love that takes when somebody is evil and just keeps giving, keeps serving them, keeps, a lot, keeps giving and loving and serving. So here's the next verse. Jesus, they just asked him to increase their faith. And Jesus says this interesting thing. Um, that's, there we go. The Lord answered, if you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed. Now he's responding to their request for more faith. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, may you be uprooted, thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Now, you just not taken out of context. Just that alone makes it sound like, yeah, man, in, in a moment of faith, all my problems are gone. Like a tree just ripped up and thrown into the ocean. Whew, one moment, my problems are gone. What Jesus is actually saying is in this moment, when somebody is wronging you seven times in a day, you are justified. You ever been justified to be angry? It's one thing to be angry. It's another thing that you are justified. When you say that word, say justified. Ah, man, you're justified. Whew, yeah, you are. This is righteous anger at this point, right? You're convinced that this is the Holy Ghost upon you. This isn't even your anger. This is God. You're justified. When you're in that spot, the best Thing. I, the, the most Jesus is asking for is one a step, one a millimeter. He's not asking for a giant step. He's asking for a step a millimeter, the size of a mustard seed in the right direction. And Jesus said that. If you can do that, in that moment where you're justified to quit on that person, if you can take a millimeter step towards love, Jesus said that will change the world. That will take a tree, rip it up, and throw it into the ocean. Now, it's not going to all happen. It might. It might happen in one second. But normally, it takes a process of time. But that teeny little step. I'm going to move this back and try to illustrate. A mustard seed is so small, you literally couldn't take a step the size of a mustard seed. You couldn't do it. That's why Jesus used that mustard seed, because he's saying that in your life, when you're in that moment, that, that step is so small. But why it's so powerful is Jesus actually saying that, that mustard seed step, when you're that angry, is actually the biggest step you'll ever take because Jesus is taking into account the direction you didn't go. He's taking into account the marathon you didn't run in the other direction because your brain is already 27 miles down another road, right? Your brain is 20... You've, you've run a marathon down that road and for you to be taking even the smallest step down this road is actually the biggest step you'll ever take. It's probably the hardest thing you'll ever do. And Jesus, why he calls it a mustard seed of faith is if you look on the inside, in that moment when you're that angry, in, he said, if you look to the inside, even though 99% of you is justified, you will find that 1% where you still find the love of God, where you still hear God's compassion for that person. You still hear God's understanding. You still find God's grace. And Jesus said, those people who can act on that 1% change the world. Let's be clear, gang. This is rare. It's easy to sit here and say, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that. Gang, this is, this is rare, and this will be some of the hardest things you've ever done. And if you've done it, you remember it. You know it. Because, man, you had to gut it out. 
Ooh, you didn't feel like it at all. And you had to gut it out. And you'll remember it. But Jesus said, if you'll do it, if you'll do it, again, why it's so miraculous, it's not just what happens on the positive side. It's what you didn't do. You didn't quit. You didn't quit on that person. We're so tempted to quit. You know, as I prepared for this message, I mean, and more than once in the last several years, I've just come to tears realizing how close Raquel and I were maybe 15 years ago to a divorce. And we were both justified. I mean, if we got you in a, in, in a court without the other person there, we could prove just how justified we were. Oh, if you listen to just one of us alone, oh my gosh, we were so justified. At least in our brains. I am so thankful. Honestly, I, I can only thank the grace of God that kept me from doing what I thought I wanted to do because today, today, Oh, I, I wish I could communicate this in, in, in as big as I felt it. But I'm just so happy. I'm so blessed. I'm so in love. Raquel is awesome. She is amazing. And she's pretty too. I'm talking, I'm talking about her, her heart. She is just amazing. And I look back and I think, oh my gosh, what almost happened. Where, if I would have acted on my justification, where would I be? I'm not saying if I would have acted on that, God would have just quit on me, but I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be sitting here listening to me. And today, I feel like I'm in a place where I'm so blessed. I feel like I see so many things on the external that have been changed. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all, I ask or imagine, I'm watching him do things in my own home. I have a happy home. We come home and we actually smile at each other, and sometimes she even gives me a kiss right on the cheek. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) My point is, is yes, there is a lot of joy, a lot of happiness. Things have changed, and and it's not just in the home, but so many other areas that I've watched God. And it's a joy to me now. If if you've been here for a while, you know it's only been the last, what, several months that our son Luke has has come back from Bible college. We didn't think he was coming back here, but come back and to, to serve in ministry here. Gang, I mean, 15 years ago, the way our home was going, I guarantee you none of our kids are going to end up in ministry. But just to see that and to see what God is doing and to hear story after story of transformed lives here at Life Church and what God is doing, that video we, sh- we showed at the beginning of Redeemed Lives, it's happening again and again. And I'm watching God do exceeding abundantly, but I realize it came down to a few moments where if I didn't gut it out... If Raquel didn't take a mustard seed-sized step in the right direction, fighting, in that moment you feel like you're fighting hell itself. Oh man, you got so much justification. You feel, that step is a monster and it changes the world. I mean, how much power would it take to go and rip up a tree, take one of these pine trees here up on the hill, go rip it up and from here, throw it from here to the ocean? How much would that take? I'm not sure the, I don't think the Incredible Hulk could do it. You know why I don't think he can do it? Because I'm pretty sure he's not real. But anyways, (laughs) my point is, Jesus is saying the world is not changed by superheroes and people with super faith. It's changed by people who can gut it out in hard moments and keep giving. And if seven times weren't enough, another time Peter asked Jesus how many times they should forgive, and Jesus said 70 times seven. That's 490 times in a day. 
Now, I also used to think that that, Jesus, that was just hyperbole and Jesus was just stretching. He was just saying, just keep on giving. I mean, who could possibly tick you off 490 times in a day? Welcome to Teacher Appreciation Day at Life Church. <laughs> Every teacher in this room is thinking of that kid. He's in your face right now. And you're thinking, yeah, I, I, I never let him have it till 491, Pastor Brian, but I count 490. And 491, I got to give it to him. I think we get the point. You know, just like that video at the beginning, though, the amazing thing about forgiveness is it doesn't just wipe away our past. I don't know what's more amazing about God. His memory, the fact that he knows every, he counts the hairs on our head and he remembers details about us that we don't remember ourselves. What is more amazing, his memory or his forgetfulness, his ability to take our sins and remove them? And the Bible says that he's going to just forget. He's going to treat us as though it didn't happen. I don't know which is more amazing. I don't know which is more fruitful, his memory or his forgetfulness. But that forgetfulness doesn't just wipe out the past. It produces a better future. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. This is the one you hear at every, at every wedding. You hear this. You know, love is patient, love is kind. It's the one that gets embroidered. You probably have it embroidered on a pillow someplace in your house. The first few words are really awesome. Love is patient, love is kind. And it's really awesome at a wedding because you're, you're thinking, oh, love, it's so yeah, You're thinking that because you're thinking of that night, right? You're thinking, oh, this is awesome. But then the embroidery stops and it keeps going. The scripture keeps going. Love is patient, love is kind. And then it says, it keeps no record of being wronged. Can we read that? Let's read that aloud together. It keeps no record of being wrong. That isn't humanly possible. That's not, you can't do that as a, just in human strength, which is why I'm asking you to keep praying that prayer. He's describing the love of God manifesting through a human being that you keep opening a door for a person to get a fresh start. Love grants another person a fresh start. It gives them a chance to be better than that failure. But what happens is usually what's, what's normal in human nature is our, our, the judgments against us become self-fulfilling prophecies. We, can't, we end up believing when people keep, when they judge us and they peg us and they put us in that spot and they just say, that's who you are. You are an angry person. You just are a negative person. You just are a loser. That becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. We believe that and then we just keep acting that out. A fresh start, all of a sudden, maybe I am better. Maybe I can be better. I'll never forget a, a girl in my school that uh, moved to a new town. She had been kind of pegged, well, kind of. She'd been pegged as a loser. I, grew, I went to a really small high school. I grew, grew up in a really, actually on a farm, but next to a really small town. I graduated with 25 people, and ours was a big class. Three years above me was 15 kids graduated. That's the whole, from kindergarten until uh, 12th grade, was all in the same building, and you knew everybody. I don't know what this girl had done, because she was a couple years older, but she got pegged as a loser. And she lived that way. I mean, she walked through the hall. She was kind of bullied a little bit. I guess we'd call that today. And she walked through the halls with her head down. She moved to another town. And a year later, I became friends with another person in that town. And to my amazement, discovered that she had become one of the most popular people in that school. Well, what happened? How did she, how did she change so radically? Well, she did change, but what really happened is she got to a place where she had a fresh start. People hadn't pegged her as, as this person down here. They just saw her, just gave her a, an opportunity to prove who she was. 
And she started believing something different about herself. And she started acting different. Gang, it really makes a difference. It goes on to say this. Love never gives up. Can we read this last verse together? Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Say this word with me. Say endures. One more time. Say endures. Gang, there is nothing fun about endure. Can you just be honest? There is nothing fun about endure, but if you will. I'm choosing my words carefully. I know that love isn't a feeling. I know that. I know that love, love, especially the love of God, is much greater than a feeling. But if you'll endure, if you'll gut it out, you're going to end up in a place where God has done exceedingly abundantly beyond your imagination and around you got you to a place where there's some feelings. See, here's some of the feelings that love is, yes, you're going to end up feeling it. You're going to end up feeling a love that never gives up. You're going to end up feeling a love that never loses faith. You're going to be always hopeful. You can't tell me to be, all, to be truly hopeful is not a feeling. Yes, absolutely. You can feel. Are you with me? Can you feel hope? When you wake up knowing that no matter how tough it's been, there, I just think God is going to work this out. I just know he's big enough to, make, to turn everything together for my good, and I'm hopeful that somehow, I don't even know how. God, I don't even know how you could do it. But I trust you that something good is going to come. There is a hope, and oh, you can feel it. And that is a better life. And that's the life Jesus has called us to. And any other, any other message that just kind of tries to believe, give you some false hope, that just says, man, if you have enough faith, you can just end up in this magic, perfect place where there is no trouble, that's not the Bible. And that's not life on this planet. As long as we're here, we're going to have to have some endurance, find some grace, but if we'll do it, oh, the grace of God. We're, we'll end up hopeful and loving and giving and enjoying the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. I've asked Raquel to finish up this message because through those dark times, I think she probably was the, the better forgiver of the two of us. At least in my mind, she probably had more to forgive. And um, That's probably true. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Well, the truth is, uh, we both actually had a lot to forgive. We've been married in uh, December. It'll be 28 years. That's a long time. And if I kept a record of wrongs, I'd have a long list. Um, But, you know, the truth is, if I'd kept a record of wrong, we probably wouldn't still be together. And likewise for Brian as the same. Um, But, you know, but how do you do that? How do you take those steps that, as Brian talked about, that mustard seed step of um, faith, that mustard seed step of obeying God in forgiveness? How do you do that? I've shared my testimony of um, of my childhood and the abuse from my birth father and how I, you know, uh, was able to forgive him and what God is, the work God has done in my life. But, you know, Brian and I have been married 28 years, and honestly, both of us came into the marriage kind of broken, hurting people. And um, what do hurting people do? Hurting people hurt people. And so the truth is we both had a lot of pain in our life, and uh, instead of working on it together, we kind of took it out on each other. So in our marriage, especially the, the first several years, you know, we had a lot of pain that we inflicted on one another. And we needed to come to a place where we uh, could forgive and give each other a fresh start. And, but how do you take those steps? 
How do you take those steps of forgiveness? You know, with I remember when I knew God was asking me to forgive my father, and I knew it was his word, I knew it was a command, but I just, I didn't feel I was capable. I didn't feel I had the power within me. My father wasn't sorry, you know. He he didn't repent, you know. To, he took his last breath. There was no repentance. You know, how do you forgive a person who's not sorry? And then how do you forgive a person that you have to continue to live with? You know, and maybe they're going to make the same mistakes and inflict the same pain. How do you take those steps? And I just want to share with you today, in a few minutes, the things that um, God had me do that enabled me to take that mustard seed, seed step of um, faith toward forgiveness. And one of the things that um, I knew, I knew that God commanded us to forgive. God said in his word, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. So I knew I needed God's forgiveness in my life because I was going to make mistakes. I was going to inflict my own pain on others. And um, I also uh, knew that I loved God, and I really did want to obey him. You know, today we, we were singing about God's love and how much he loves us. And, you know, when you really understand that he loves you so much, and how much he truly accepts you for who you are right where you are. You know, you can't help but kind of want to love that back. You know, that does when you are experiencing and receiving God's love. And so I did love God, and I wanted to obey him, but I didn't feel like I had the capability. You know, and even in our marriage, there were times it just seemed so hard to forgive, so hard to, to look beyond and to give that fresh start. And, but I knew I love God. And so for me, one of the things that helped me is just, I would say, God, I love you and you have commanded me to forgive. So I'm going to take those steps of forgiveness. You know, and the, the other thing that helped me was to know that, um, I needed that forgiveness. So those two things, if you'll recognize I need forgiveness and in order to receive it, I have to give it. And that other reason is that God loves you, and out of your love for him, maybe that individual like my father will never repent. Maybe that individual will never change. But God is not asking you to look at that individual. He's asking you for your own heart and your own life to make the changes for yourself. And, you know, my father passed on without um, repentance, but had I kept a hold of my unforgiveness and not released that, I would not be free today. I would still be held in bondage to the pain he inflicted upon me. I would have still been trapped. You know, so forgiveness is about ourselves and our relationship with God, regardless of what others do to you. Take the determined step that I'm going to obey God, regardless of anybody else in my world. And that was one of the things that I did, and I took that baby step. And let me encourage you, you're not going to feel it necessarily. If you are in a lot of pain from an you know, from an individual or something that occurred, you know, taking that first step, you won't necessarily feel like you've forgiven. But for me, what I did was I just said it. I said, God, I forgive my father or I forgive my husband or whatever it is. And I began to just say, well, I forgive. I forgive. And then I would name him. I forgive my father, even though I didn't feel it. I just said, God, you know what? I don't feel it. I don't get it. I don't see how I have the, you know, capability, but you've commanded me to do it. So you must going to be empower me to do it. So I just took that one tiny step of faith and I just said it. I just spoke forgiveness out of my mouth. I began to say it every day. Every time I thought about the instance or I thought about my father or I thought about what my husband did to me, I would just say, I forgive. 
And then the next step, I would begin, I began to pray for my father. And I began to pray, you know, for my husband or my marriage. I began to pray, God help us, help us. And I began to pray that God would forgive my father. And, you know, it was as I took those steps, it just got easier and easier. And it came to a place in my life where, you know, I look back without any pain, without any grief, without any anger. You know, I can look back and I feel blessed regardless of the pain that was inflicted. I feel the grace of God and I'm experiencing the grace of God. But I didn't feel that way in the beginning. And I want to encourage you, wherever you're at, in your walk with God and your relationship with him and, and that path of forgiveness and peace, you know, just to begin to take those steps, recognize where you are and tell God he can take it. You know, I told God, I said, I don't forgive him. I don't feel like it. I feel like I'm full of pain and grief. Um, but, and God knows it. It wasn't a surprise to him, but he met me where I was at and he's going to meet you right where you are. The band's going to come up here, and we're going to sing a song about God's love. And I just encourage you, while we're singing that song, if you would just take a moment to say the name of the person that you forgive. You know who it is. You know who you hold some angst against, maybe a little pain. You know that name of that person. And just while we're singing the song, just pray. Say, God, I forgive and name that person. And then just say, God, help me to forgive. Help me to love as you love. And God will meet you right where you're at. You take that step every day. Every time you think about that person or that, that um, incident, God will meet you where you are and just pray. So they're going to go through this song about God's love. And while, while they're doing that, you do that.
Oh